0: 5 life. Well, we're here. JB Cave. Uh, episode number five of the JB Cave podcast. And it's a very exciting day because, man, Tim Atlas is here. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> thank, thank you for having me. Uh, this guy basically lives in the, in my studio. Yeah, it is my second home. Well, well, I re- love it.
1: Recently. It's where I feel the most myself.
0: Are you ready to dive right in? Let's do it. Cool. Um, let's go ahead and start off with where you were born uh, yeah, where you grew up and some of your earliest musical memories, man. Sure. So I was born in
1: Oakland, California on a naval base and I grew up kind of just like in the South Bay area. Um, I didn't feel like I was exposed to a lot of music, but maybe that's just because it was like normalized in my life. Um, because I was always around it. Uh, my dad was like a, a worship leader at church, um, and he played guitar and, um my grandparents just like loved country music so i was exposed to a lot of johnny cash and loretta lynn um and then my dad listened to like a lot of the newer stuff like garth brooks and things like that um
0: nice what did your mom listen to (laughs) oh my mom
1: (laughs) she was into like power singers okay like whitney houston because
0: your mom mom is filipino
1: yeah and she loved like karaoke and stuff like that too so um she would have that reverb on full blast and <laughs> she would just get down on it. And my dad would get, would get down on that too. So yeah, that, I think we just all had this uh, unspoken love for music. Um, my dad wasn't like a super active musician um, in my childhood, but um, he definitely instilled a, a love for music in me. But yeah, I mean, like I listen to a lot of that stuff. But at the same time, I was I was exposed to a lot of the stuff that my older sister um, listened to. So like TLC and uh, Brandy, uh, Genuine in those jeans, <laughs> in those jeans, man, what a cut. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think looking back, it, it makes sense that I'm a musical schizophrenic, just because. I've just been exposed to so many things, um, and I mean, like going through school, I was in I was in band, so I, I loved like jazz music. And then, you know, high school, I was into like the scene, like post-hardcore. Uh, so, let's, uh, stuff uh, can we can we
0: can we dive into yeah, just you being in band? Like, what did you play in band?
1: Yeah, so um, my dad had a had an old saxophone lying around, and I was like, I want to play that. And so when the band program uh, came around, I was like, okay, I'm going to bring this old ass saxophone to the school and see if I could play it. And they said. This was high school? This was actually elementary school, like Holy shit. fifth okay. grade. And um, so I brought the saxophone over, and then they were like, okay, well, with this saxophone, it'd be more expensive for you to fix it. Than to just like buy a brand new one, and back then we we didn't have much money at all, so um, we told that to the to the band program, and they were saying, uh, well. Why don't you just buy some drumsticks and, and a practice pad and play
0: the drums? And I ended up playing drums for like eight years. So they forced you into playing drums because they thought it'd be too expensive for you to fix your saxophone. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but were you like, were you like, hey man, I'm trying to play sax though? Or were yeah, you like, really- I mean, like, I was, I was into music. I like, I
1: wanted to make, I, I liked melodies and yeah. notes and things like that. But, right. um, I mean. The drums are, are just like a cool instrument. Absolutely. You know, like yeah. if someone tells you to play the drums, you're gonna play the drums. Right, <laughs> so right. I ended up playing for eight years. But within those eight years, I like I really wanted to write songs. So I picked up another instrument that was lying around the house, which was like my grandpa's one hundred year old guitar where like the, the strings were like an inch away from the fretboard. Yeah, just, And that's how I like <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I had calluses like all the time. <laughs> Um, so and yeah, and that was in the sh- eighth grade eighth that grade. I, uh, I so really wanted to. So self-taught, you were
0: self-taught, mm-hmm. um, how did you learn, like tablature or uh, reading, reading music or did anyone show you how to play a song or, um, yeah, yeah, how, how did you learn? Uh, well, my dad taught me
1: like three chords, um, what were they? and it's so funny because GC I math? like, <laughs> it was uh probably d it was like g c d yeah yeah <laughs> and um it's so funny because like i want i just begged him to to like tune the guitar and it took him forever to do it and i was like wow tuning a guitar must be like really you know like intense stuff you probably have to take it into a shop and like get it professionally done or right. you know <clears throat> but then he tuned the guitar and it took like 10 minutes and Uh, He taught me the chords, and um, I just kind of ran with it. I went online, um, and I started learning riffs. I started learning like uh, like "Beat It." Oh,
0: nice! (laughs) Um, Nice.
1: I learned um, "Pretty Woman." Roy Orbison. Yeah, that dun 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 dun. Nice. Nice. Um, And then I was learning a lot of like Eric Clapton stuff, so like "Layla" um, and "Tears in Heaven" and stuff like that, because I had that. Um, Eric Clapton, MTV. Yeah, man. And then I, and then I discovered like John Mayer and then, um, I started learning a bunch of that stuff.
0: Nice. Very cool, man. So you learned how to play guitar, uh, or like some of the first projects you joined. I mean, was <laughs> April Chase the first thing you did? No, no. You were in some no. other, you, you were in some, some other things, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, throughout my whole life, I always
1: wanted to be in a band. I always wanted to be in kind of like this brotherhood camaraderie type thing um so i formed my first band like when i was just learning how to play guitar so um and we just played like cover songs we played like uh what'd you play (laughs) um incubus drive we played that one at the talent show damn uh and then we also played um What's that one MXPX song? Chick Magnet? Chick Magnet. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That was definitely one of the first songs I learned when I was playing bass.
1: Yeah. We played that one. Nice. Um, What were you guys called? We were called... Well, we were called Shiny White Teeth. (laughs) And then we changed our name to Ruckus on Schooner. Nice. It sounds very punk rock. Yeah, it was very pop punk. Very cool. And the thing about like pop punk back then was we we didn't label it as pop punk we were like we're punk rock well, we're punk rock
0: <laughs> exactly so you're in like 8th grade freshman year of high school yeah okay yep. nice so you do that for a few years when you join April Chase the band are you still in high school or have you graduated and um let's go ahead and dive into the story of April Chase how you found the members sure of April Chase because this is kind of a defining moment for Tim Atlas he finds his band called April Chase And kind of uh, is the reason why uh, I met you. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's go ahead and dive into that and tell us kind of a a quick backstory on how that all started. So after high school I kind of wanted to
1: form my own band where I wasn't like fronting the band. I really wanted to find like a female singer and um, I wanted to just write songs and play guitar in the background. So we auditioned a good amount of people. I kind of like pulled friends from different bands and um, we just started jamming out songs and we were auditioning different singers. And then um, during that time, this band at the church down the street from where I was practicing, they were saying, hey, we need a guitarist to fill in for this spot. And uh, so I go and I'm like, sure, yeah, I'll play guitar. And um, Karina who is the singer of april chase was playing bass in that band wow and she she wasn't a singer or she was a great singer i mean she just like you didn't know it yeah she and i didn't know it and she didn't know it either she was just playing bass and then what happened was um
0: you instantly thought she was rad though and she was she was cool and probably had a really cool look because that was that was my first thought when i saw karina
1: yeah i was like oh my god this is this is on brand. Yeah. Yeah. A-
0: Asian chick. She wears glasses. Uh yeah. she's probably playing like this yeah, bass guitar. She was playing bass. And You're then, fucking cool. <laughs>
1: she was super cool. And uh so we were having practice with this other band, and um the singer couldn't make it to practice. And uh the guy who was kind of like MDing that band was like, Hey Karina, could you just like fill in on vocals uh for this song? And she sang. I was like well, holy shit, <laughs> like, I need I need her. Um, and I asked her if she wanted to join this other band with me, and she said no. And she said no? She said no. And I was like, okay, that's Too fine. Cool so we school, kept huh? auditioning people, um, and then we played this show. It was, like, really one show that I played with this, um, it was, like, a Christian band at the church. And um, she ended up filling in for vocals, because that singer just, like, was sick the whole time and after the show she came up to me and she was like you know what I really want to I really want to try out this this thing with you and then we started April Chase amazing yeah and we eventually left that band and just like focused on
0: that sweet so April yeah. Chase starts and it's basically I mean it was you and it was you and Karina mm-hmm. you were the main writer and she was she was the, the face of April Chase and yeah. the voice and um, not to
1: discredit like other the other band members um, I wrote a lot of the songs or I came up with all, a lot of the ideas but I brought them to the band and we kind of you know, develop them together, but a lot of it was me and Karina just uh, hatching out melodies and and different chords and just like song structure.
0: So there was this video that I found on YouTube while the whole YouTube kind of scene was popping off, and uh, there was a song called "Time Won't Tell" that I kind of just discovered out of nowhere. And it was, I remember, it was like this well lit video, and it was you and Karina. I heard it and I was like, "Oh my god, these kids are pretty tight!" And I remember <laughs> seeing Tim in the video. I was like. This kid kind of reminds me of me. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way you played the guitar. And uh, I think the first time we met was at a show, this thing called fat mm-hmm. with, uh, with Jeremy Passion, uh, Gabe. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that meeting.
1: Yeah, so it's so funny that you say that, like, I reminded you of you. Because growing up in high school, you guys were, like, my favorite band. My American Heart
0: was, like, the coolest band to me. And That's so... Amazing. It was like cool it was cool to see like just another group of Asian Americans not doing R&B b mm-hmm. and 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 wanting to do the whole band thing because like for me growing up and being and doing the whole rock and roll thing I was always kind of just like this odd this weird like what right. what, what are you doing in this scene right. kind of thing so it was really cool to see you pursuing something in the scene yeah yeah so I feel like I automatically related to you um that way yeah even like before we met yeah so fap we meet at this place this um this show called fap Mm mm-hmm
1: so we we, um i came down to fap to to actually play guitar for another artist so (laughs) i was playing guitar for another artist but i also wanted to promote my band so we actually like burned cds and printed these little things like these little inserts that we put into these burned cds for free we were just passing them out for free like hey listen listen to my band you know like people would actually reject free cds <laughs> I know, thanks. i'm good i'm
0: here for i'm here for uh jeremy yeah i'm here for passion <laughs> yeah not your dumb rock band <laughs> but yeah go ahead so we meet i think we talk mm-hmm. i think i think i I come up to you and i'm just like man i love that video really briefly no really? Oh, was it was
1: it quick it was real brief so like i don't know if if someone was introducing us but all i remember is you coming up to me and saying hey jesse big fan I was ah, like, nice. what the fuck?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is life, man?
1: Uh, because I was a huge fan. So, nice. um, and that was really cool. And then after that, I hit you up on like Facebook or something. I was like, hey, man, I don't know if you remember me, but uh, we're looking for a producer for our next album, and it'd be really cool like
0: if we could work together. And,
1: nice. Yeah.
0: So at this point, I had, I had produced a few records, not too many. Um, I was still learning Pro Tools when you hit me up. Yeah, I might have done like maybe two, three records with like live drums. This was kind of at the end of my American Heart too, so I was kind of mm-hmm. itch- itching to do a rock album because uh, I hadn't done one. I was doing a lot of singer songwriters at the time, and I was like, "Yes, this is gonna be my be my first rock thing." Distortion. Distortion. Yes, and I could reamp guitars. And, yeah, and do loud drums. And um,
1: and yeah. that's honestly why I came to you because I knew your history and I was like I know this guy's strengths <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and the
0: thing was you were a bit of both like you guys you guys were kind of doing the YouTube thing and also right. doing like the band thing so you mm-hmm. were like Jesse might just be the perfect fit right and so um, we go into uh, a record called. Still breathing. Still breathing, and it was a, f- oh, a five-six track EP. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, the JB Cave uh, 1.0 was at my mom's spot. So <laughs> these guys, they drive down from San Jose, right? Yeah. Um, I remember Karina; she brings her dog down. Mm-hmm. Roldy. Roll these, coughing all day. I know, poor, poor guy. dude. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we do this record. So let's go ahead and talk about like uh, like what you felt through the process. Um, so we just had some demos. Mm. Um, we had like
1: a bunch of stuff written. Um, we weren't really sure on a direction. We know we knew that we wanted to be like pop, um, and pop we rock. were a rock, rock band. Mm. Um, but we were also in this weird phase where we were like starting to listen to Two Door Cinema Club and um, mm. just like more indie, indie bands. Music, yeah. So I don't know. We just we just came to you with some of these demos and um, and you
0: kind of just brought them to life. Beautiful. One of my fondest memories was actually the first time um, I think Tim sang on on any sort of record. Yeah. Um, and it was a song called. Oh my God! I don't even wow. remember the song. Uh, anyways, it featured <laughs> uh, it featured Larry um, Solomon, who uh, was the singer of My American Heart. But Tim also sang on on a verse. And I remember the first time he walked into the booth, he, he he just felt a little nervous, and he sang like a line or two. And I remember like I think he was struggling just just a little bit. And I was like, Hey man, uh, maybe you should just go out and have a cigarette. and he went out yeah we don't smoke anymore Uh, but I think he went out and had a cigarette and you came back in and you sounded amazing (laughs) I was like maybe you smoked something else but I know
1: that was crazy that was crazy I don't know man I mean I guess I just needed something to kind of like take me out of that mindset where it's like I'm not a vocalist or I don't identify as a vocalist and I'm in the studio recording on a U87 yeah (laughs) but
0: it's like I remember hearing your voice for the first time and I was thinking why don't you sing more? I was like this guy is an amazing singer. Like there was something oh, in your voice when I heard it for the first time. I was like I don't think this guy knows what he even has. Like the gift he has mm. in his voice. Like he you weren't like the most like decorated decorated singer, you know what I'm saying? But you just had this like just this t- this tone that was just magical on first listen. And I remember just freaking out man that's awesome i was just like man you should sing more
1: man yeah man i feel like that was like a a pretty pivotal moment in my career in your life yeah for sure just because like i never really i mean i i had sung before but i i never had the courage to like sing on a record and and have confidence in in my in my voice
0: So April Chase goes on. They put out the the EP, the Still Breathing EP. They they do more shows. And then the band eventually disbands. And I feel like you discover a new side of your artistry. Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about um, just that moment where you discovered Tim Ferguson, the singer-songwriter, solo artist. I think you
1: and I get along so well because we had... Kind of the same journey on, on different levels, obviously, but we kind of play the same role in our bands where it was like, okay, this is my dream. I hope it's your guys too. And come and chase this with me. And you keep telling them to come and chase this dream with you. And, um, after a while it gets kind of tiring, you know, to share,
0: to share a dream with, with yeah. four other people. And absolutely. the thing about being
1: in a band is that it's like being married to five different people. You have to be on the same page like all the time and you have to have the same goals and you have to kind of keep up with each other. And honestly, it it had me pretty exhausted just because I was doing everything on the back end in terms of booking and merchandise art. and marketing, yeah, marketing, and art and, and the writing and just like, you know, there's just like so much to do as an artist. Like when people listen to music, they just listen to the song and they're just like, oh, cool song. But there's so much that goes behind it.
0: Yeah. And they don't realize how much work goes into writing a song or what it took to uh, find the artwork or make the website or right, get right. people to come to the show. And like writing the song is the fun part.
1: Like being in the studio is the fun part, mm-hmm. which is probably a big reason why we're still doing songwriter we do. producers yeah. because like, we, we like to do the fun we, part. We, right. But with every job, there's a shitty part. And there right. are things that you have to do that you don't want to do. And the same goes when it comes to having a band. There are things that you have to do that you don't feel like doing, but you guys are kind of like this organism that, and you need to kind of bring each other up and yeah. keep each other alive. So with that said, um, it, it started getting harder and harder. Um, as we got older, we got, we had more. Um,
0: bills to pay. Yeah, more bills to we pay, more responsibilities. But nothing going on with the rent, man. Right,
1: <laughs> right. Eventually, I kind of had to reassess and think, okay, I'm doing so much work right now. Why don't I just apply everything that I'm doing to myself and just see what happens?
0: So I want to dive into just, yeah, the, the the time after April Chase and um, leaving that, leaving that entity, leaving, you know, college and having a full-time job and realizing, like, I think I'm gonna, you know, pursue this solo, this solo career.
1: As I was working nine this to is five. Cra-
0: this is probably crazy.
1: As I was working nine to five, I was working a creative job. I was, I was a photographer. Mm. On, on paper, that's a cool thing to do, you know? But at the end of the day, I was going through like an hour of traffic to and from, and, uh, and then by the time I got home, I just wanted to cook dinner and I just like wind down and, and go to sleep. You know, so I didn't have any time for music, which resulted in like a lot of depression for me. And I was, I was kind of just really unhappy with my life. Uh, So I had to kind of reevaluate where I was and I had to kind of take
0: a leap of faith. So it just clicked in your head. You were like, yeah, you were like, man, I'm just unhappy doing everything. Yeah. I need to fucking change this. I was, I was kind of driven
1: out of my job, you know? Not because the job was terrible, but everything inside of me was saying, you need to do more music. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, I feel like I, I kind of drove myself out of that job. So I quit the job and a week later I got like a production job and then I got another another production job and um, it was really kind of serendipitous how it happened where I just kind of started getting more opportunities thrown my way. Um, Producing producing as soon as I quit my job and I know a lot of people aren't fortunate enough to have that but um, I was just kind of following the good omens in my life where if life is telling me to go this direction I'm just going to keep going that way and if good things are happening then obviously I'm going down the right path. So
0: I want to talk about some of the first uh, songs you wrote as a solo artist. Yeah um because they eventually lead into your first solo record Mm -hmm. called lost in the waiting but let's talk about the first few songs you wrote and if it was a struggle how hard was it what were just some of the songs that you just realized oh shit like i'm kind (laughs) of decent at this it was it was interesting
1: to to write for myself because it was kind of a blank canvas at this point because i had always been writing for other bands i've always been doing things with other people but i had never kind of had this um this canvas for myself so i feel like i had a bunch of ideas kind of circling around in my mind i knew a bunch of songwriters that that i enjoyed listening to so um i kind of just like pulled a lot of influence from you know john mayer
0: bonnie bear bonnie bear was a big influence on that um
1: feist damien rice um a lot of folk stuff i kind of like reverted back to the acoustic guitar and vocals. And then this was kind of like the resurgence of like folk music right. in the industry. So there was a lot of like Mumford and Sons, Bon Iver, um, who was another one, Lumineers mm. at that time. First song you wrote. First song I wrote was this song called Green Lights. Okay. Do you remember that one? I don't.
0: I, may, I think I do. I remember the title. Yeah, was it was for- on Tumblr. Yeah. And it started getting like. Shout notes. out Tumblr and Tumblrity. <laughs> which was so wrong.
1: So, yeah, I just kind of posted it online and I had friends that, um, you know, were popular on that platform that kind of reposted that song. Yeah. It was cool just to see, oh, people actually like this stuff. Reblogging. Yeah. So I kept writing um, and I eventually landed on 10 Goodbyes and that was just a song that I wrote in my 10 by 10 room in college Mm. and um, I had like a really simple uh, recording setup. I honestly didn't really know what I was writing about and that's still kind of how I write a lot of my songs. I just kind of dive in word vomit a bunch of stuff and then kind of start to create like a theme around it. But yeah I wrote 10 goodbyes I put that one out, and that's kind of when my identity started to form around this singer-songwriter Tim Atlas thing. Right, because I remember Um, hearing
0: Ten Goodbyes, and then people just started loving and gravitating towards this song on YouTube and Tumblr, Twitter, just online in general. mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, dude, this dude is kind of gaining traction off this song. It was cool. And basically, I was just like, okay, let's make a record. And I hit you up we work together we have a chemistry already we're pretty close friends at this point like this is you know
1: obviously one of the most talented dudes I know and also one of the only producers that I know so like by default I had to hit this (laughs) motherfucker up
0: (laughs) I don't really know anyone else so I I guess I am obligated to go to Jesse (laughs) and he's pretty affordable (laughs) Um, yeah he got me a deal so at at this point I'm at Cave 2.0 which is my own spot man it was magical doing that record yeah um, there's a few tracks that i just kind of want to talk about a little bit one being the making of this song called seasons because i remember we spent a good amount of time on that mm-hmm. um it was a beautiful track oh thanks Hearing yeah. for the first time and it was just on on the acoustic guitar at first um but i remember wanting to do a piano version of it mm-hmm. and so alan comes in and i think we wanted something kind of bonnie very inspired and we had been listening to his cover of Bonnie Raitt's track, um, I Can't Make You Love Me. Yeah. Right? It's one of my favorite tracks on the album. It's a beautiful track. If you haven't heard it yet, go go ahead and check it out. But um, I'll let Alan kind of talk about um, where he was at and in, in his headspace creating that.
2: That was a beautiful struggle. It was. Wasn't it? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every 30 minutes, I kept I kept checking in with you guys. Hey, are you guys... You guys good? You guys having a good time? Because I'm still working on it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I think you had pit you had pitched us like the opening line, and I, I, yeah, I mean sometimes like dude, sometimes arrangements just take so, so long, and I think this one took us like maybe like eight hours. Of Alan here, I think I have I think I have the arrangement for the verse. Uh, maybe this maybe the chorus wasn't right, and and you would you would kind of just sit with it with like headphones. I think.
2: But that's all part of the magic. It's just it's it's feeling like we've been in an atmosphere of just magic the last three weeks, and then um, Tim just kind of saying like, "Hey, look, like this song is supposed to be acoustic, but I really feel like it should have been written in piano." So I kind of felt like there was like a dry spell all you know all of a sudden. But because I felt like we were all so invested in the album. Um, I think this is just kind of what really makes it really, with the what makes it really really special. Why I always like refer to this this particular session this year, and why I always remember this time frame. Um, I almost even remember like all the clothes that we were wearing, the smells, and just just how it felt to to write it because um, it all came together probably like like eight hours it did I remember I remember leaving the room falling asleep taking a nap because I was so tired after that that struggle coming back and listening to the vocals and I was like oh my god like did you I that remember the the tracking those
1: too the vocals? I remember tracking those vocals oh yeah? yeah and like it was cool to see you as a producer produce vocals in a very like sensitive setting I guess like the
0: whole production of that song was very sensitive. <laughs> yeah, I think I think with all of us. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, because when you, yeah, yeah, when you guys hear this song, it's a very like, oh man, he really means what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, I feel like it was just very, sen- yeah, sensitive. Yeah, and it um, was really
1: cool um, because it didn't interfere with with the emotion of the song, you know. And that's that's a common thing when you get into production and when you get into like nitpicky things. Um, as a producer um, it's easy to lose emotion from your artist but it was really cool to see you kind of just kind of tap into the emotion and just kind of like foster it and and let it, uh, it kind fun. of evolve
0: It was beautiful man. There's another standout track on that EP. Um, last one I want to talk about and it's one called Lila and I think it just kind of holds like a special place in your heart for (laughs) sure yeah cuz I feel like every time we hang out you you know you're always showing me um, pictures of her and and snapchats and Instagram so uh, yeah yeah tell the people about Lila cuz she's beautiful man
1: oh man yeah well that song is basically about how Lila kind of changed my sister's life for the better And Lila, Um,
0: yeah Lila is
1: and Lila's my niece by the way sorry um but yeah man she kind of just like flipped my sister's world upside down and she was kind of distant from from the family and everything and when when that child came into our lives like it kind of brought everyone together and i just saw it as something like so beautiful and i had to write a song about it so yeah! Shout
0: out! Shout out, Lila! <laughs> hey, uh, beautiful track, beautiful album. Lost in the Lost in the Waiting. It's on Spotify. Yes, it's on Apple Music. Go ahead and check it out. It's it's basically the first season of of Tim Atlas. Mm. Um, but we move on to a new venture. Um, you hit me up and you want to co-write, and we hadn't co-written at this point. Yeah. And you hit me up. And you're like, man, I think I'm due just for some new music. And you come in and we write a song called Wander and another song called Compromised. So let's go ahead and just talk about that process. uh, You coming in here and our setup and uh, what we did. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Again, I came to you with
1: uh, a blank canvas, just like not knowing kind of lost
0: so this was the first time yeah he came he came into the studio I mean I think you had one demo prepped mm-hmm. um, a few a few demos prepped but I mean um, compared to like lost lost in the waiting he had everything written like these are th- these are the five tracks I'm gonna do and yeah. on this project he was like I have no idea what songs I want to record right I just didn't know where to go <laughs> which ended up being like the best thing ever
1: yeah yeah and it was really cool because then we dialed in our process and to this day we kind of use that process still when when I come sure. in and we start to produce things. Right,
0: so so the first song we, we co-wrote was a song called Wander, um, and we were just trying to grow the older sound and just kind of make it a little more modern. But we go out on a limb and take a chance on a song called Compromised, and we're just like, let's just do something weird. Yeah. And I remember... Uh, Alan coming through and, and saying there's this old demo that you, that you recorded that I loved right and you bring it up on Ableton and I was like okay let's, let's mess with this and I think we were kind of inspired by um, a song by Feist and I was like let's just, let's just get the, the drum machine going and uh, Tim was on the bass and I was on the guitar and compromise happened yeah, and it happened so fast, <laughs> like literally in three takes. Yeah, and it was a magical moment for us, and people just latched onto it, and Spotify uh, latched onto it, and I want to talk about that and how it's kind of you know skyrocketed, and uh, yeah, just talk about that a little bit.
1: So, I recorded three songs with you. We kind of put them out as feelers. That's right. Um, That's and right. compromised was the song that we really believed in like it was the song that we as soon as we made it we were just like we really hope people like this because this is the sound that we really but want then to again, roll with in the back
0: of our minds we were like will people get this yeah will people get this especially the fans that you already had that loved like 10 goodbyes and the things you were doing right with-
1: and if they didn't get it maybe in another world we would have reevaluated what we were doing sure but yeah compromised hit and eventually it hit a million plays and that's when i got a a really cool email from spotify where um one of the editors was saying hey man i was the guy who found your song i liked the album art so i clicked on it dug the song it's been on the playlist for a while and it seems like people really like it i just wanted to see what you're up to and um, how we can help build this project And that's basically how this happened. And I'm like, (laughs) and it's funny because this happened when we were in the studio. I was like
0: back here, like recording more songs. More songs, yeah. I was like, holy shit. It's happening. I just got an email from Spotify. Yeah, and and you're like, I think what we're doing and what we're creating now might be the ticket to just the sound in general. And so Compromise became, yeah, just this thing that sparked the new sound. I want to talk about just how it feels when when people call you and they're just like, "I'm in Mexico, man. I'm a, I'm on the beach and they're playing compromise." <laughs> like, yeah, has that sunk <laughs> in yet to you? Like, no. has that sunk in? Like, people in Brazil are just like going crazy over tim atlas
1: (laughs) you know like (laughs) it's pretty crazy that like i'll just get these random snaps like in a cafe in bulgaria (laughs) and i hear like you know compromise it's crazy and it's it's kind of surreal to me because it doesn't yeah it really doesn't feel real unless i'm in that coffee shop in bulgaria listening Mm. to Mm compromise like it doesn't feel like super real i'm so grateful that uh, that kind of stuff is happening. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for the day that it actually happens to me, though, where I'm sitting in a <laughs> in a shop oh, and somewhere you hear the, and you hear outside of my home and oh, I yeah. hear like a song that or I've or just
0: heard. being in like a Marshall's. It's like
1: hearing your song on the radio.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, our friend um, Michelle Helan, uh, she she's, uh sent me and Tim a video of Wander playing in like an American Eagle. Yeah. And she was like, Oh my God. <laughs> she song like, is your
1: song is playing in
0: my <laughs> And she starts store. singing and going crazy and and that stuff is still so surreal as a creator, as a as a songwriter, man. Yeah, man. Um, man. it's beautiful, man, to see to see your music just grow and reach reach the masses, man. Wow, that's great, so man. I wanna talk about how um one song can really define your sound. Like compromised. Mm. Um, you know, we had dabbled in folk, we had dabbled in, you know, and now we had been dabbling in, in lo fi um, indie soul music. Does that just tell you to keep going and, and doing that sound just because the people love it? Um, to some I extent. mean, it's nice that people
1: love it. Right. You know, and I take that as another kind of good omen. A sign. In my musical Absolutely. career where, um, yeah, it's like a sign where. where People are enjoying it, so I'm going to keep doing it because I enjoy it too. And that's, I mean, that's the main thing is that I enjoy it. And I mean, we're blessed to have this situation where we put out this song that we really loved, that we really believed in, and a song that we were just like, oh man, we really hope people like it. And now it's like my most popular song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: God bless. So, compromised is a thing. And... We start doing more songs, mm-hmm. um, which lead into the new EP titled All Talk. Yeah. So I want to dive into a few of the songs that are on the record, some of the themes on on the record. Yeah, let's just dive into uh, some of your favorites and, and, um, and the process, man. Oh, man. Unwind, bro. No,
1: of course. Crazy. Of course. Yeah, Unwind. It's It was kind of the first song that we wrote um, after seeing how Compromised was doing. Um, and, I mean, just like Compromised, it kind of came really naturally where I just started playing something and you're just like, do that, do that. Right, right. Uh, and we just kind of kept building on top of it. And uh, then we started thinking about concepts and we we're just like, okay, what what, what should we talk about? <laughs> and, like, as a songwriter, sometimes you're, like, really digging for something, like, deep, you know, mm-hmm. or something that people can really feel. Sure. But... Um, we started top lining on things and Mm -hmm. you're just like, why don't we just write a song about taking a day off,
0: taking a day off and just chilling, just chilling, super
1: hard. This song is stony as fuck. (laughs) Like, let's be that. So I think all we had at this (laughs) point
0: was, was the kick and snare pattern. It's just the doom. God, doom. Uh, and at this point, I had just purchased uh, a Korg Mini Mini uh, mm-hmm. Log, mm-hmm. and that kind of became the sound of Tim Atlas as well. Sure, it's just this, uh, yeah, this super small analog keyboard by Korg. Yeah, and we milked. They we- say
1: new gear like can't inspire you, but right? it totally does. It, it totally does. Yeah,
0: and I love our process too because we kind of never know what we're gonna play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll have the bass guitar and sometimes you will Mm -hmm. and if i'm like you know i'm stumped on a part i'll be like hey man maybe you should play it let's dive in a dive yes um so
1: i basically had like a uh, an idea i was like okay i'm gonna come into the studio this time with you know something I'm going to kind of, you know, be responsible this time. (laughs) So I came up with that line and and some of those, like, intro chords. That's right. That's um, right. You did have
0: the drums. I think you had the drums. Yeah. um, Yeah. And we
1: imported them into Pro Tools HD. (laughs) And and it's so funny how that happened, too, just because, like, the melody was already there. We just kind of found it. Right. You know? When I think of Dive, I think of, like, how artists always try to make something different and they kind of consume themselves in wanting to do something different. But for dive, we were just like, let's just write a good song. You know? It doesn't right. matter if if like something has been done before. Let's just do something that we like. That feels great. Yeah. And I remember being really inspired
0: by like hollow notes. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and we went back. And we wanted to just two step, man, and feel great. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to feel good. Yeah. And that's what Dive was. And I I just remember um, when we came up with when we had that stutter on the T and we looked at each other and I ran out the studio I ran out and I was like oh frick there it is
1: yeah man yeah
0: and to this day still one of my favorites one of my favorites on the on the new EP there's one more song that I want to talk about and it's called Figure A and man it's a great concept Well, I want to talk about two more songs, Figure A, and we'll get into all uh, talk, the the title track of the record. But let's talk about Figure A and the idea of it.
1: Figure A, this is kind of like an ongoing theme that happens in every artist's life when you um, just decide not to conform to societal norms and um, to kind of reject the 9 to 5 and to really embrace your artistry and to chase your dreams no matter what the circumstances are and it's hard it's a hard thing to do but um at the end of the day like if you want to stay true to yourself you kind of need to make that leap you know you
0: need to do you basically yeah and it's basically been your theme i'm gonna do me man
1: yeah absolutely and it kind of keeps coming back to that right and
0: and and as far as stylistically too Figure A is a standout where it's the most different song on the album So Mm -hmm. I think it makes sense that it's just kind of like this standout track and and what it stands for.
1: Yeah And it's funny because we weren't thinking of any of these things (laughs) at all (laughs) Like as we wrote them, it
0: was just kind of organic how it happened Right, there's one more track I want to talk about and it's the last It's the last song we recorded and wrote for the record and It eventually became the title um of the album and it's called All Talk. Talk
1: is about how there's so much noise in the world and um there's like yeah, social media, um the news, you know, mm-hmm. and there's there's so many things happening.
0: Politics, man. Yeah, and yeah.
1: so when you
0: digest those things, like what are what are you doing? The most recent thing that happened uh we had decided that the album was going to be called all talk but the exclamation point Um, (laughs) the exclamation point you know what i'm saying uh just making it more of a call out yeah but go ahead and talk about that because i remember i texted you and i saw um raquel which is your girl she had posted um a little insta story of tim doing the photo shoot um, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about in a bit Uh, but she had put an exclamation point at the end of all talk yeah and i was like that's tight
1: yeah she just put it uh she kind of drew it on her instagram story and she put an exclamation point out of excitement right uh and then we were just like whoa aesthetic <laughs> aesthetic sure
0: <laughs> but it it also just adds a new kind of dimension to like what we're trying to say and right um right. bring a little more meaning to all talk and um i just thought that was really rad yeah absolutely it's, so let's go ahead and uh let's talk about um uh, the photo shoot that you just did for all talk and, and what what uh, people should expect from like the aesthetic and, and what you're bringing yeah. with, with, with the package. I'm trying to be
1: a little more bold with um, like the overall brand and the aesthetic of Tim Atlas. I really want to um, kind of bring more color into my life, so there's nice. a lot of that.
0: Yeah, cause you were cause you were doing the artwork for um, the f- the three singles yeah. before right yeah um, which caught the, the eyes of the Spotify people. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean I've I mean I've done a lot of stuff DIY. Yeah, that's kind of and my, you're incredible
0: at it, bro. That's kind you're, of my thing. Thanks, you're, man. You're insane at all that stuff. At the
1: same time, it's important to have a team, and it's important to to work with people and to create art in a collaborative way. Um, so with this record i'm trying to enlist people that believe in the project but uh also people that i trust in terms of their artistic uh artistic work
0: i want to talk about um just the new the new sound you know when you play it live how it's different from just playing you know shows with your acoustic guitar
1: yeah i mean like at the end of the day i am a singer-songwriter so i can play these songs with my guitar and, and my voice, that's fine. But um, I feel like there's just so much more to the story. So um, I've, I've brought on a few friends um, to play in my band. So we have Cole Vaughan, who is my music lawyer, but he's also uh, great on the talk box. So he's getting that. Um, uh, we have Luke Brilla on the bass. Um, Jesse's playing guitar. And then we also have Danny Morledge on the drums, and it's just really cool just to to make music with your friends, um, but to also tell my story it's anymore. That's just like what it is, man. So, I mean, ten goodbyes is great, but that's that's done.
0: <laughs> Beautiful, man. Great conversation, brother. Thanks Excellent, for being. Man. Thanks for being on the show. Of course, man. I'm so happy to be here. One hour of free. <laughs> one hour of free-flowing conversation yeah just uh closing closing statements man uh what's next for tim atlas what what could we expect and uh yeah just final words brother
1: yeah man um we're just gonna continue to build on this sound um we have a lot of shows coming up so we're prepping for that and uh i have a puppy to raise now so it's
0: it's taking up a lot of my time baby joey <laughs> shout out to baby joey yeah check out all talk everywhere mm-hmm. everywhere thanks for being on brother thank you and that is episode number five of the cave talks podcast